All right. Welcome back to another episode of Over Engineered, the podcast where we ask the very important question, what's the absolute best way to do things that don't really matter? I'm Chris Morell, and I have my friends Bogdan Karchenko and Skylar Katz back with me today, continuing on the theme of what we're calling season one, but with a little different twist. Welcome back, guys. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, everybody. And I will say, Chris, it's not exactly uh, useless. You know, this does have a point. Uh, I think we're we're doing the Lord's work here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been really fun. And I, I do feel like, at least for myself, I've gotten some clarity on the way to approach certain things. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I'm super excited to uh, talk about the things that we have lined up for us today. So we'll see. Yeah. So this is like, this is kind of following on the topic of, you know, the last couple episodes were data migrations or migrations, schema migrations, and how you manage your data around there. And this is sort of related in that what we wanted to talk about today is you've got data in your database, you've got records in your database that you need to reference and code and how you do that. So to sort of set the stage, imagine that you're, that there was this Laracast series that I was watching about building a stock tracker. And so the idea was, you know, you want to track the PlayStation 5 stock at a bunch of different vendors. And so we need a record in a vendor's table for for example, Best Buy or maybe Amazon, or I'm trying to think, uh, I was going to say Circuit City, but I know Circuit City hasn't existed for many years. And we need, we're also going to write, you know, custom commands that will scrape those sites for stock. And they need to be specific to that individual vendor because each site operates differently. So the code in our code base needs to understand specific records in the database, right? And there are a bunch of different ways that we've approached it. And each time I've always been like, this feels not great, but it's fine. It works. And that's the whole, that's the whole theme of this show. So I thought it'd be a perfect thing to, to pick up. So I guess maybe first, let's just, just run through some of the approaches that we have done and maybe what, what we don't like about them. Yeah, that sounds great. I think uh, let's see. I've I've done things where you just like find by slug and pass in the slug best best dash by, which is okay. Except that maybe somebody doesn't do it by slug and does it by name somewhere else. So then you're like find by name, best space by. We've also I've also done like uh, constants on the on the vendor model. So you like vendor colon colon best by uh, to like at least then it's it's kind of in code and can be renamed, but it, it always feels gross to, to do that. Or like, what if, what if you don't have it in the database yet? <laughs> and then, and then what happens in, uh, in the code? Yeah, that's a big one. Every time. I mean, I think that that's really what always becomes the frustration for me is whatever solution you come up with is usually fine until you get to the testing story where the data doesn't necessarily exist yet. And that's, you know, that's sort of where it dovetails in with our previous conversation, because maybe, um, maybe you have solved this problem a different way by 
having a perfect way to always have the data that you expect in your database. Although, you know, I still am not certain that that's not a pipe dream. So I, you know, if you're in a scenario where you know your test, your test database always has those records in it, that's maybe not a problem, but then you're dealing with the same issues of like, do you want to seed a bunch of data that you're only going to need in certain tests? But yeah, yeah, I mean, more recently I've used slugs in our code base, which has to account for a lot of legacy data. We have done plenty of just hard coding special IDs, you know, and maybe storing them in an enum. That feels super gross and also becomes a problem with testing. And I know that, you know, for example, like Sushi is a good, we talked about that a little bit, I think, on the last podcast, last, maybe not, but it, it kind of came up around this idea of seeding databases. Like Sushi is just a way to have a, or an array of, of content that you can query through Eloquent. But I don't really feel like Sushi works here because it's a separate database connection. You're not going to be able to do like, you know, where has on that relationship or you know it's it's always gonna by design be isolated from the rest of your database and then like the other thing that i think is a really interesting approach i i don't know if it's i don't know if it always is solving exactly the same problem but in a bunch of places more recently what what i've found myself reaching for is actually you know, storing the fully qualified class name of the class that handles that record in the database. So instead of fetching the the vendor in our code, we just fetch the vendor and then instantiate the object that is responsible for handling that vendor. Which, you know, in a lot of cases, you can you can probably do because. You know, for example, for for our example, instead of having like a custom best buy command, like a scrape best buy and scrape Amazon command that you run on a schedule, you could just have a command that fetches all the vendors, instantiates the scraper for that vendor based on the, the class that's that's stored in the database, and then execute the scraper. But then you know you're kind of back to needing to move more logic into your database because then it's like oh well i want to scrape best buy every hour and i want to scrape amazon every 15 minutes right so now do i have to go in and you know add a some sort of timing info to the database so that i know how frequently each scraper needs to run you know the the more you move what really ought to be done in code into to the database, just there's a bunch of overhead associated with that. So I think it, it can fall apart. Are there any other approaches that I'm missing? Yeah, I mean, so I was going to comment. I mean, this is kind of piggybacking on what um, Skylar mentioned is just having some sort of like enum class or like a bunch of constants that kind of reference, you know, so-called slugs, right? So uh, in this vendor example, we'll have like a Best Buy slug and maybe Amazon and Target and so on in Circuit City. And, you know, like there's 
I think like I've done it mo- uh, both ways where you would go and say like, give me, you know, um, you know, this vendor by this referenced enum and you can get that model out and then you can do whatever else you want to do with it. I think there is another kind of step iteration of this uh, is to use scopes. Uh, you know, you could just have a scope that says Best Buy, you know, because it's very specific. But, you know, you're still in the hard world, uh, hard coded world of things where, you know, you're passing a bunch of slugs around and everything like that. So I, I think, um, you know, ultimately what you were um, getting to, Chris, is having like a database driven solution. Because uh, otherwise, even if you have, you know, some sort of handler, right? it's still referencing some sort of class, you know, that will need to get newed up and something needs to happen. But, in, you know, if you do have, for example, these values like you alluded to having some sort of like timing, like when should Amazon get scraped? Uh, you know, when should Best Buy get scraped? And then we don't even need to know the concept of Amazon or Best Buy or Circuit City. Like we just know that this is just data that's driven uh, through a database. So I think that's probably the happy world, you know, somehow uh, in my mind. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just not convinced because in a lot of cases then you're, you know, you're just dealing with having to add, you know, add a bunch of junk to your model that really should I don't know. In my mind, really, should be code. Maybe, maybe that's not true. And and obviously, there are cases where, you know, if you want the scrape timing to be configurable by the end user, right? If you're like building this for a company, and someone in the company needs to be able to adjust the scrape timing for for some reason, then of course you're going to need to push that to the database anyway. And arguably, you're going to want some sort of much more configuration driven system in that case but even then it still needs to understand like how to scrape best buy because best buy is you know going to need to be scraped differently than amazon you know it can't all i mean i guess you could have like some sort of wild like xpath based configuration in the database but i think that's again kind of a pipe dream like it, yeah, I, I would agree. You can't cover every scenario. I would agree. I think like most of the time you would be dealing with like an API, right? You're not like going on their website and maybe doing some scraping and you, you know, maybe there's API keys involved or even if it is scraping the website, maybe you need to be logged in or something. So right. I totally get that there's like specific handlers for each vendor. Um, but it's almost like, well, if you have a job in the background that says like, hey, find me all of the vendors that I need to go, uh, you know, scrape today. Uh, you get the vendors back and, you know, then you can determine like, okay, well, this slug is say Amazon, like going back to like this constants idea, you know, like, and this for Amazon, you have to go, you know, new up this class. And, um, you know, the benefit of that versus storing the actual class name is that if you do refactor your code and move the class name around, you don't have to change the database entry, you know, because you have like a unique slug that references a vendor. So I, I, I'm not saying everything has to be in a database. I think ultimately it will still have to be like delegated to something, but I think it's pretty reasonable to say that like, hey, you know, I want to say, for example, like turn scraping for Amazon off 
today, you know, and that has to be like a database configuration. So I think having uh, another database configuration that says, you know, what's the frequency of the scraping uh, or whatever the situation is uh, in the database is not too far-fetched. Oh, Skylar, we can't hear you. That's that's interesting. There you go. <laughs> uh, apparently, I muted myself in in the software. I mean, I was going to say like one one potential approach is like almost think of it as like a repository of of like you have a Best Buy model and it just extends the vendor model, but you can call like new Best Buy or Best Buy fetch or best buy get or something that that that's gonna create the underlying eloquent record if it doesn't exist in the database yet maybe it's like first or create and then you can work with your best buy class but it is just a it's gonna the return type is the is just the regular eloquent vendor model and you're able to kind of like use that in the code that's a that's actually I'm I'm constantly fascinated. Have have either of you used Parental, the the single table inheritance package? I, I'm constantly interested in this idea and I've never really used it for anything. I've heard of it. I feel like I've looked at it. I even was trying to remember the name of it, so I'm glad that you remembered it, Chris. I think uh, is that I a Titan have... package? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Parental. Parental. Yeah, I know I know someone who uses it and it it solves some problems for them, but I think it's a little, you know, it, it's also adding some abstractions or I, I think, you know, I, my sense is that there are some rough edges. I don't want to speak, speak for that for it too much. Cause I haven't had the experience with it, but I feel like when I was sort of source diving, I, I just looking at the code, I got just worried that as soon as you started to color outside the lines at all, like if you're starting to do, you know, sort of more complex relational things where one or more of the models are using parental, you know, doing like the relation create method or something like that. I, I wasn't sure if it handled all those situations. Maybe it does. But I do like conceptually this idea of, you know, having your vendor model and then having a couple of specific implementations of the vendor model that get instantiated based on some criteria in the database. Because that, it would be really nice to be able to say like, when I care about it, all I can just say like, all I care is that this is a vendor. But in this, this case, I care that it's specifically the Best Buy vendor. And that Best Buy vendor class can not only, you know, have its own identity, but you could also implement custom functionality that's just for that vendor. I think that's pretty, it's a neat idea, but I've never really explored it that much. Yeah, I will agree. I think, uh, you know, now that you mentioned it, I feel like that is actually a really good solution. Um, I think the, the, the question is, does this work in reality? Uh, you know, some of the things that I could think about, like, you know, do you have like a default attribute on the Best Buy model? that extends the parent vendor model that like, you know, uh, constrains it to the Best Buy uh, slug, more or less. Uh, is that how you, it would work, if, essentially? In my mind, like it doesn't extend 
oh. the actual eloquent model. Like maybe it extends some some interface that's like your vendor, like your prefixed vendor, like specific vendor that has just one method that's like get or fetch oh, or I like see. whatever that is. And it's gonna just it's gonna it's gonna do the thing that's like get by slug best buy, but right. it's in that one place. Oh, and maybe it's like first or new so that if for some reason in a te- like in your test it's not you don't have to create it ahead of time. It's just gonna create that on the fly. And everywhere else, like you just can so, can like get that. And that way you don't have to worry about, oh man, I'm overriding an eloquent method or I'm I'm doing something crazy like Best Buy uh, without scope and then like find slug target and you're you, like doing something crazy ridiculous in your code base. Like this is just all it does is gets the the model and then your your return is your vendor model. You're not having to deal with with anything else. Yeah. No, I well I think that that's getting closer to the, to the solution that I've I've been leaning towards. That before before we get down get sort of further down the the this path though. The the one other thought that I had and this is probably an awful idea. But again, we we have a bunch of cases where we have just literally hard-coded IDs. And that's just because we're dealing with legacy data that already existed uh, and there is no slug column. And for whatever reason, you know, at the time, the choice was made to just use the, the hard-coded ID. And I, and I think, yeah, I, I don't know. But anyway, a part of me was like, what if you just, what if you just by default for a table where you knew this was going to be the case, or maybe you just decided by default across the board, you just, in your initial migration, set the auto increment value to a thousand or 10,000 or, you know, some, some number where you just reserve, say the first 10,000 IDs to known hard coded IDs, right? So if you just set the auto increment to 10,000, then any automatically generated records, either if you're just seeding data for tests or if you're creating data data through like a CRUD interface, the first record that you would create would be, you know, with ID 10,001 or whatever, 10,000. And everything, then you could just say like, if I need to know that this one specific vendor exists, I just hard code ID one for that vendor. And then I just know that vendor one is always going to be this one. You still kind of have to, you, you still have to come to the same sort of first or create type solution, but it does allow you to avoid having some sort of unique slug I don't know if that's really beneficial. I mean, the performance improvement of doing like an integer-based lookup is so minimal, you know, with an index slug column that it doesn't really matter. But I just thought it was kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely uh, an interesting thing. I feel like we've all been there. Just reserve some, uh, you know, subset of uh, IDs in a database, and you know, then you can reference the IDs, and then you know, you have to make an entire podcast series 
to talk about why that's a bad idea. Um, <laughs> I, I did want to piggyback on what uh, Skylar uh, mentioned as far as like having this repository per se. I feel like on one hand, I kind of like this idea, but I think in reality, you know, most of the time you're diving in through like a series of relationships, right? You may be looking for something, right? And you want to be able to say like, well, I want to get all the products that uh, Best Buy has, right? So it's like, you know, give me all the products, uh, where has, you know, some sort of vendor of the thing Best Buy. And I feel like then you're going back to the place where you're just dumping a bunch of these, you know, repository calls that you say, like, just give me this, give me this. And uh, I, f- I still feel like going back to like more of a scope solution, you know, is more like elegant rather than having another class. Because um, that way you could just say like, well, here's like the five or 10 vendors that we have and there's the scopes, they exist, um, you know, and then that's just how you reference them. So I don't know, that's just my initial, you know, thinking behind, uh, you know, just fetching one record, you know, you know, I feel like it's, that's great when your database is simple, but I feel like once you have a very complex relation structure, it could get a little gnarly. You're going to have to like pass that stuff around, uh, in different closures because you're going to pull it up, um, initially and so on. Yeah. I mean, so I, that so so there are two things that that makes me think of one is i think that this pattern particularly applies to 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 models that are almost singleton-ish in nature you know where arguably you only need to load it from the database once for as many times as you would need it. That's not always the case. And I think a lot of times, you know, you can kind of shoot yourself in the foot by passing the same copy of a model around and, you know, accidentally mutating something or loading, loading a scope relationship or something like that. But, you know, there's a part of me that that thinks this type of this type of model you can al- you could almost treat it as like something that you can resolve out of the container as a singleton, right? And like y- even you know you could use the container as the mechanism for fetching it, perhaps. And then, yeah, I mean the 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 direction that I've been kind of leaning. And we we have sort of a very naive version of this in the code base now is this this what we're calling directories, right? Where it's essentially just a, a class that knows about these special special records and and it just does sort of a first or create where it's looking for the record by slug and then it's creating it with the default data. And that way everywhere in the code base you can just call the directory. Most of the time, it's just going to be loading the record from the database, but from a test perspective, you're loading it or you're you're creating it at the same time. Um, and you know that's kind of like what you were talking about, Skylar, except for it's just a single you know a single object responsible for fetching any different number of named items. And I feel like there's an opportunity 
for, you know, I think that this is a place where there's an opportunity to abstract this out into a package that handles a lot of the stuff that we were talking about. Because I can imagine sort of in this world, like vendor colon colon directory, arrow best buy, and that gives you some sort of object that you can then either get a singleton instance of Best Buy, right? If you just want to have that vendor and you, you know, know that you're just, you're kind of going to treat it as a read-only model. You could call get maybe on it to get a new copy of the, that, that particular model. And both, both of those under the hood would do a first to create. But then I imagine a way where you could essentially have some helper functions on that that object where you could pass in a builder and have it add constraints to that builder and maybe even through some like macros or some like some of the automated hooks that eloquent gives you you might even be able to sort of have magic dynamic scopes for any of those named name directory items. I feel like that, like in my mind, there's a way to do this. I don't know if there are any major roadblocks for it, but I I like that idea of having just like a single place that's responsible for anything that can be mutated. And then, you know, like if I'm going in there and changing the slug uh, in my directory, I need to also create a migration or something that's going to update the slug in the database if there's a chance that that model already exists with the old slug you know like it gives you sort of this one point of control over the that connection between the database and the code base yeah i mean it, that's it's an interesting it's an interesting approach i feel like there's like you know we i feel like the approach that i was i was taking and even the directory approach is like how do i get this one model specifically and then bogdan's bringing up this approach of like well i i need to like query off of a specific model and i don't know that the the repository situation that i was recommending like doesn't really solve for that it only solves for like resolving this one model out of the database like for for one-time use i think the directory like it it has the ability to to yeah like add on the builder and create more dynamic relationships. I also think when you're in a situation where you're pulling in a lot of different data and doing a lot of queries, like maybe it makes sense to go back to like hard coding the slug or it's probably dynamic in nature anyways. Like someone is requesting from the UI, like something specific. So you have the ID or the slug already from some form field. And you don't need yes. the like encode specific instance. I think I think there are lots of cases. I don't know. I I've already certainly, excuse me. I've come across cases where you, you know, you want to add that constraint, right? Even in, I don't know, in that scraper example, I can imagine perhaps the. Um, you know, the Best Buy scraper is going to want to fetch all the all the prices that are related to the Best Buy vendor, right? So it's going to want to do like select from prices where vendor ID equals and and like get a number. 
And so being able to do something where you like do, you know, prices related to directory or whatever, you know, and, and that's like a macro that then you just pass in this directory item and let that be responsible for understanding how to add the like where in or where constraint. I, th- I can imagine there are a lot of places where you'd still want to do that. Yeah, I will also say like, I think there's a, probably a few points. Like one, uh, you know, we need to like query this data. I feel like the other piece of it is also just having a reference to uh, the idea of Best Buy, right? And it's kind of like maybe in even in, yeah. in your UI or even in that scraper, you may want to like show something sparkly next to the Best Buy for the Best Buy vendor, right? So I feel like just, you know, that's uh, that use case of pulling one item out is still, you know, valid. You know, I don't think it's, you know, it's not dismissed by like the scope idea or anything like that. I think that is probably... 90% of the use case is that let me find Best Buy so that way I can go and present, you know, uh, this Best Buy uh, or use the Best Buy scraper or whatever the case is. Yeah, I'm not dismissing those ideas at all. I, I Yeah, I think there are lots of cases where you may, you know, you may have like, to that point, hard-coded UI that's like, there's a Best Buy tab at the top of the screen. And maybe, you know, maybe your system can scrape 15 different services, but you know that mostly you care about these three vendors because those are the big ones. And so, like in your UI, you want to show like a Best Buy tab that has like a timestamp of the last scrape and maybe the number of records. And like you want to have, you know, you want to have four tabs one for Best Buy, one for Amazon. One for Circuit City, of course, and then the fourth that's just like all other vendors, right? And that's something that, sure, you could build a whole database schema around like, you know, featured vendors or like, you know, have like an is featured flag on a vendor and dynamically build those things. But like a lot of times, I don't know, to me, that just often feels like you're adding a bunch of junk to the database just because you where you would have usually just you know added three tabs to the to the UI you know what i mean and so to be able to just say, say like quickly you know give me the latest uh run for these three vendors and then give me you know a sum for all vendors that aren't these three vendors in in the controller and then just hard code that ui and that way if i want to show the the best buy tab with like the branded blue and the amazon tab with the branded yellow like i don't have to then go into my database and add a vendor highlight color and vendor text color and you know like and and obviously all of that's contextual because you may have a you may have an app where you do want those things but i'm kind of talking about the times when you don't right when you you, you need it, but you don't you don't need it to be super configurable. Yeah, I feel like you know you make a good point about like just the context of things, right? Even this idea of you know should we use like constants, you know, in three places to determine what is Best Buy or Amazon or Circuit City, or do we build like this very very complex 
you know, uh, system, you know, some sort of directory structure or like the parental or use a parental package. You know, I think it all, you know, does always come back to like, you know, what is kind of, I think, the best bang for the buck, right? And uh, and I really feel like, you know, if, if you do need custom colors, you're going to, you know, have a lot more database tables than uh, just, you know, whether or not this thing should run uh, at a certain time. You know, those are kind of like just very small little peanuts comparing to <laughs> what you're actually dealing with. Um, but yeah, I, I still think, um, you know, uh, having like a good database driven solution is probably the most optimal way of doing this rather than, you know, uh, kind of going back to my like initial point where I made at the beginning of the podcast kind of, you know, how can you, like if we were to really over engineer this, right? How can you make it so that your app doesn't really have any understanding of, you know, what is Best Buy? right uh aside from kind of like some of the custom logic that does the scraping or the api stuff but you know a lot of the stuff needs to be configurable you know that's my position at least because that way you know if there is a code change uh where you're like well we don't want to present best buy on this tab you know it's a configuration change in the database and it's you know something that is a no code solution effectively once you deploy it so, okay. I just had a thought. Like, I I wonder if we can combine the best of of sort of both worlds here. Mm-hmm. In that, if if I have if I have a trait that I can attach to any class that basically designates that class as being tied to a database model somewhere, right? And that trait just exposes a few of the functions. So kind of going back to what Skylar was saying, instead of having this single directory that has lookups for a bunch of different things, you'd you'd create individual classes for each of the things that you want to look up. But each one of those classes really just you know, pulls in a trait. And by default, what that trait would do is essentially do a first or create on where some column name equals this this object's fully qualified class name. And then you'd have a inverse of that that is a cast, right? So you know, maybe by default we've used the term, we've used the the name handler a bunch. So I'm just going to say let's call it handler. So by default, if I have a vendor model, I could add a handler column to it, right? And the handler column, I would just do a what's it called a you know a, a custom cast for that column that uh handles all the the instantiating the correct version of the handler and and making sure that the class name actually implements the the methods or the interface or you know whatever all the validation and stuff around that so 
if I pull the Best Buy vendor, I can just do Best Buy Arrow Handler, and that gives me this like Best Buy class, which can have a bunch of vendor-specific specific custom methods on it. But at the same time, I can just do that, you know, that Best Buy class colon colon singleton, and that will check to see if there is an or or I guess I mean we could even you could just implement them as singletons in the container. So like I could just do app best buy class and then on that class I can get a copy of the Best Buy model from it. I can get a shared instance of the Best Buy model. So if I want it, you know, because I I know I know in some cases um, and I don't want to talk too much about like the specifics because it's like a private code base, but like I know of uh, uh, someone's code base where, you know, they have this vendor concept and it's very central and they may need to have a reference to that vendor in like 10 different places during a single request. Right. So you don't want to load that vendor. You don't do a, fir- you don't want to do a first or create <laughs> 10 times for that single vendor when all you're using it for is to get the ID, <laughs> you know, and the display name or whatever. So I do think you want that concept, but I could see, I could see sort of having this like fully qualified class name in the database, which I, you know, I don't, I don't think I buy your concern there, Bogdan, because like we already do that, you know, with polymorphics so much, like renaming a model is just, you know, it's like a thing that you have to take into account. So if you ever wanted to rename one of these handlers, you just have to know that it has to go, you know, hand in hand with a migration or something like that. I think that's just the reality. You could also implement a morph map. Right. Yep. Situation. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Again, though, if you decide to change the the morph map, then you've got to change stuff in the database. Like, I don't. Yeah. Eventually, when you have to change something, you have to ch- like renaming models is fraught. Right. It just is a tricky thing, and um, you know, there are tricks we have. I know we have that command that like scans the entire database for polymorphics and can check it against the morph map and make sure there's no stray things with old names, but like it's, it's scary to run that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I'm not saying that it's not doable or there isn't a way to prevent it. I just feel like it's another layer of, you know, in, uh, you know, you deploy it, it's all fine. And then in a year or two that you're like, Oh no, I'm going to restructure, re-architect my, folder structure, right? The good old folder structure. And now all of a sudden, you know, it becomes, you know, like um, an undertaking to move a class from one directory to another. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, it's just like another thing. Well, how can you kind of minimize some of the risk long-term? But going back to- I think you could call, you know, you could call the handler, like you could call handler and the cast could like look up the, the like known directory of where the handlers are. And if one exists with the name of the mod, like there's ways to, I guess, or you could even have the handler. I mean, you could just have like a, a property on the handler. That's like 
old names, <laughs> you know, and it could just do a, you know, instead of that, then it would just do a wherein, you know, mm-hmm. and it could still do, it could still be, I think it would still, it could still be pretty performant because it could just do like where slug equals or where slug in. And that way, if there is a match on the, if there's a direct hit on the current slug, then. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I'm sure there's a way to figure it out. I did want to yeah. circle back about this singleton idea and, you know, this uh, code base uh, that's private. Uh, you know, what is kind of the current solution? You know, and maybe that's a good way to kind of, you know, like how does this problem get solved today? And, you know, what would be, you know, maybe the singleton idea is something viable for, you know, uh, this example that you mentioned. I I think in, in that code base, there's just a, there's like a config file with a bunch of IDs. I think oh, that I that's, see. and then um, those, and then the, those are just, you know, there's some sort of, helper function to either uh, just return the already fetched copy for that ID or fetch it fresh if there isn't a copy for that request. I, I think see. that's how it's done. I'm not entirely sure, but it's okay. something like that. I know it's I know it's using hard-coded IDs. I see. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there is, a, I suppose, another world of, you know, just using a, instead of hitting the database all the time, maybe it's like some sort of cache mechanism where, you know, this stuff just right. gets loaded into, you know, Redis or, you know, some other store and it, which is a lot more performant and, you know, just has like, you know, bare minimum information such as ID, slug, and, you know, display name that you use commonly. And that's just what you interact with. Maybe that's also like a solution um, to this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, and of course then you're, you know, you're dealing with the downsides of cash too. But I, I definitely think, I mean, I think if, if, if we were doing this as a package, I would definitely imagine that you would have some sort of caching mechanism that was an option where, you know, it was just like configurable and then, yeah, you would just add some sort of model hooks to, to clear the cache whenever a new, new record was saved. Potentially, you wouldn't even necessarily have to do that in this case, but. I mean, you could just do like a request a request cache where it's just like an array of data that's being cached and then the request ends and it's gone. Right. You only fetch it. Right. You just fetch it once for the entire request. Yeah. Yeah. Cause actually going back the, the reason that the config file with hard coded IDs works is most of the cases you just need the primary key to do other queries. Right. Like, I think a lot of the times you're just doing like, you know, give me all the prices for Best Buy or, you know, give me the crawl history for Best Buy, right? Like, and so just having the primary key and understanding it is enough. You don't actually have to pull the Best Buy record from the database. If you just know what the primary key is, you only kind of need that singleton concept if 
you want to pull it from the database first before you do that that query so that you don't have the hard code IDs anywhere. So what if this is kind of crazy idea? So like some I love it already. This this handler approach and there's some there's some method that's like primary key and then there's a that's going to return the primary key and there's a command that you run when you deploy that's going to to like do the crazy lookup to like of all of the things to get the primary keys and then basically like store it in some cache. And so every time you call primary key, like it's not having to do a database query. It's just returning the thing that already exists. Like maybe, maybe it's writing everything to a, to a, just like a JSON config file, or maybe it's pushing it to Redis, but like the primary key method is going to pull it out of the cache that the command runs on deploy. And that way, like if the ID is different in your local environment, you just run the, run the command to populate the primary keys. Doesn't really matter which environment it's in. And then you, you always have your, your primary. I don't know if that makes sense. The only problem with that, I, I, I mean, I think, the problem with that is it like what happens if I add a new vendor between deploys? I mean, maybe there's some there's some observer model event that's gonna like queue off the job to recalculate it. I mean, I guess like well, if something it doesn't is, matter, is right? important enough to be if something's important enough to be a vendor that has all this special code, then you can't really just add something to the database. It, like that's this exactly is a special was, yeah. thing. You've gotta push code yeah. out. So yeah, yeah. You're never like the nature of this problem is such that that's never going to be an issue, right? You're never if you're adding a new vendor that needs to be referenced in code. You're you're by definition doing a new deploy. <laughs> there's no you're, you're there's probably no way. adding this record in a migration or a cedar or wherever. Based or off a the last dragon two episodes, bite you've, you've actions put it. or yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I like that. Just because then your criteria, you can use slug, you can use name, you can use whatever that you can use some fully quite qualified class name. But essentially, you know, it could it could be the type of thing where. I don't even know, you know, I guess using the cache, you could just have the primary key method look it up in the cache, and then you could have a command that warmed the cache, and if you don't run the command, it just does it once and then stores it in the cache, but um, otherwise, you know, it, that would just become sort of like an optimization, just like you know, root cache and, and view, you know, all, all those, all those artisan commands that are just for sort of production optimization that would let you cache all those IDs once on deploy. But if you don't do it, it's fine. It would just still do the, that first or create one time, the first time you need one of those records in code. I like that. Yeah. It's a pretty decent solution. So where do we come from? We started at uh, writing strings straight up in queries uh, to constants, to scopes, 
to what is the final solution? What, what are we thinking is like a really good hands, uh, hands-on approach without over, over complicating it. Without over engineering it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the idea of some, some object that, you know, has a bunch of sort of generic helper functionality around the common use cases, getting a, getting a copy of the model, getting a singleton copy of the model, getting the primary key and foreign key name for the model probably, as well as applying the model's constraint in a belongs to and has type both you know both sides of the relationship right so you would be able to just sort of transparently pass a query builder into it and say like add a belongs to constraint to this query builder for this thing and it would it would then be able to transparently add like where vendor id equals three right or I mean, I guess it's only that side of the relationship that you'd have to have to worry like, about. You know, like Best Buy with prices get, and like right. it's gonna know it's gonna know to be able to do that without executing two queries. Right, right, yeah. Well, it would still execute without executing three queries, and still execute the Best Buy. Well, no, I guess if it's a singleton, you yeah. If it yeah, if it doesn't exist, I think that would necessitate multiple queries but right and yeah i mean that it seems you know it, it would take a little bit of time to get it get the more complex sides of that right but it feels to me like you could you know because models let you you know boot arbitrary logic from a trait Right. So you could just have a, a trait that you could drop on any model that would handle like sort of dynamically setting up scopes for you. So then you could still kind of just automate your your scenario of like vendor colon colon best buy. And that would just set up the query builder. And you could you could publish a custom caster for the the if you wanted to connect it by like the fully qualified class name in the database but if you didn't want to you could just override like the attribute value on this thing to be slug or id or whatever you wanted and that just becomes the lookup table or the lookup value and that seems like it covers everything that we've kind of talked about doesn't it is it doable? I yes. think it's doable. Okay. All right. Because, yeah, I feel, I mean, it, it's it's great to talk about it in concept, I feel like, you know, it's it's nice. But I feel like, uh, and maybe this is a challenge to some of our listeners, like, is it possible to create this, you know, thing that is a package that you could just somehow expose some of these methods and, you know, uh, use them? you know, share it with people? Like, I don't know, is, is that too much to ask for? I mean, also, I'd be curious to know if this is like 
Is this a common problem for lots of people or is it just like a problem that like due to the nature of the, of what we work on comes up more often? I think it's a common problem, but I, I don't know. I'm sure it's a common problem. I've run into this in legacy apps that that aren't like non-Laravel apps that we're trying to like pull into Laravel or just, just PHP if you got to figure out how to get this stuff out. But also like Greenfield Laravel applications where we needed, you know, we had a particular model that was super important to the business you didn't add you couldn't just add one without also adding a bunch of database i mean without adding a bunch of business logic like provisioning this model and and doing all sorts of things so like i don't know i i not that i've experienced hundreds of applications but across the spectrum of of things it seems reasonably important all right, so let's sanity check. There's the you know the the vendor case. I think this feels great for, but here's here's another real world case that we have at Internachi. Right, we've got courses and we've got exams, and there are many courses and there are many exams and and many of them, while important, don't have any particular special meaning within the the organization. You know, but we have one specific exam that is a core membership requirement, right? And we have to we have to deal with that in a bunch of different ways around checking eligibility for certain things or compliance reasons or, you know, well, for all sorts of different reasons. And the same is true for courses, right? There are um, something like 12, 12 courses that every certified member has to take over the first year of their membership and we need to you know we need to check on their compliance and um you know present you know present those courses in specific ways across the website and and for the courses i mean we still do have to hard code references to those courses in a bunch of places but for the courses we also do a lot of that dynamically based on database tables, but you know, there's one exam, you know, that I know the ID of by heart <laughs> because, you know, we've had to reference it a thousand times, right? Would this work for both of those cases? I think I can't see why not. Yeah, I, I I mean I definitely think it would work. You know, I, I also maintain my kind of position of this special exam ID is only special now, right? And like if it was it were to change, like there has to be an easy story to transition to another ID. You can't just go back and you know update all of those places, or even if it gets consolidated into, you know some sort of class that, you know, references this thing in some sort of magic way. I, I ultimately think like having a real database driven thing um, is kind of the answer, you know, where it's like, Hey, give me, you know, uh, exams that are special, you know what I mean? To do this stuff. But I ultimately, I think it will solve it. Yeah. I, I mean, in the case of the exams, the way we do it is awful 
right? It's only it's only that way because of legacy reasons, right? And sure. we've run into so many weird test failures where in testing, you know, that now we're accounting for this, but for a while it was like, you know, a test would just happen to factory up an exam with like a special ID and then mm -hmm. a query would fail because like that ID was explicitly excluded from the query for some reason or like something would go weird because, you know, because that ID was specially reserved. And uh, I'm pretty sure now for that table in our, in our testing migrations, we do set the auto increment to like some high number so that all the known sort of special IDs don't accidentally get created. But that was like a lesson that had to be learned. So I'm not saying that that is a good way to do it by any means. But I think given that like not every application is Greenfield, like I think this solution would work for that scenario, even though, you know, if I was starting from scratch, I wouldn't necessarily do it that way. Right. But does that also expose the issue? Like, uh, you know, I hate to kind of dive back into it, but, you know, the fact that we have to re reference this ID over and over and over again, and there was this conflict, say, in testing, you know, because we're kind of like creating this unique constraint and excluding it somewhere, like, it, you know, it just kind of seems to me that, you know, it's almost like a code smell, right, of relying on a very special ID, or relying on a certain thing, you know, because, you know, especially, I mean, when you have maybe one application, that's one thing, but if you're deploying your applications in multiple um, places, say, think about like WordPress, for example, right? Like there has to be like a very uh, dynamic way to be able to get this data in and out without referring to like a very specific thing. Maybe like a slug is fine, but I feel like when you look at IDs and, it gets a little complicated. Yeah. I mean, there's a part of me that that's in, still intrigued by the idea of just, you know, having reserved IDs with some, some auto increment constraint and just, you know, just having an enum that every time you need a new, a new vendor or a new course that's like referenced in code, you just add, you know, that, you just do the next number, you know what I mean? But generally, I think probably using slugs for anything, anything new is going to be better. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then you just dynamically load the ID from, from the system, you know, so all your queries still can use the ID, but you're not relying on that. That ID is only unique in the current deployment, whether that's local testing or CI or production, like, you don't have to rely Correct. on it being a specific ID. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. All right. Well, I'm curious. I'm actually, it kind of feels like we landed on a solution that I'm I'm pretty happy with. I mean, maybe in trying to implement it, it'll turn out there's a major gap. But I'm curious to see, you know, if in a week it turns out we missed something very obvious or, or there's a, a totally different concern, but like, I don't know, maybe we solved it. Wouldn't that be cool? I would. I'm, I'm interested to hear back from people that listen to the episode. Uh, if anyone listens to the episode, like what are the things that you're screaming at right now? Because we've just <laughs> missed, missed the whole thing. And you're like, this is, 
not solving anything that I'm having to deal with. Yeah. I'll be, I'll it's, be curious. It's been really cool to get feedback so far. I mean, and, and I, I feel like some of the responses that we've, we've had have been like really insightful and very, very, very well thought through. So I, yeah, I'd be curious to know if there are any other approaches to this type of thing that none of us have even thought about. Yeah. I mean, it might be a coincidence, but I saw in Laravel News someone released like a package that deploys things one time, you know, when you deploy. And maybe it's a coincidence, yeah. but maybe they're a listener to the show. So That's who right. knows? I think we can take credit. I think I think <laughs> we should we should take credit for sure. Yeah. All right, sweet. Well, any any closing thoughts before we call this one? We're good? No, we're good. we're good. Let's do it. All right. Well, here we go.